welcome to episode 84 of the Worldwide Chelsea podcast. And well, it's the first episode of the Chelsea Women's Show that we have been promising. And what a, I couldn't pull it on a better day. Couldn't put it on a better time to start. Chelsea, free, Arsenal, nil, FA Cup winners, domestic treble winners. It feels absolutely beautiful. And I couldn't have had a better guest on. Uh, Mr. Positive himself, Patrick Larson. How are you doing, my friend? Doing well, Matt. Um, just absolutely buzzing for the for the Chelsea women. Like as you said, a domestic treble. Uh, London is blue. Uh, best cl- Chelsea's the best club in the world. Life is good. Definitely, definitely. I mean, what a match. I mean, obviously, we are doing this literally not even ten minutes after the final whistle. We've just seen the trophy presentation, so sorry if we are just completely happy and there's not going to be too much analysis but we just want to have this raw emotion of a great final absolutely fantastic final and we will get started with the goals obviously starting with Fran Kirby's goal Patrick how how good and crucial was that goal coming in within two minutes of the match I think it set the whole tone for the game and you know, it, it, it ironically was not a sign of things to come, at least in the first half, because, I mean, it was such a clinical finish by by Super Fran, um, you know, taking advantage of an Arsenal mistake. Um, Arsenal really started out very sloppy on defense, and it kind of continued through most of the match. And uh, Fran picks it up and uses that speed that she has, and she just, the way she finished off that uh, that goal, I think, really set the tone for the rest of the match. Definitely, definitely. It was it was a great goal, and it was it was won by some great pressing by Chelsea. You saw it from the first thirty seconds that we were pressing the Arsenal defence, and they weren't comfortable. And we won the ball, and it was just simple as you like. I mean, it couldn't have been an easier opportunity for Fran to score, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, she put it and she put it right in the corner with with force, where you know, uh, our, where Zinsberger couldn't do anything about it, and. Like I said, um, I really kind of feel like that that might have affected Arsenal mentally to just that kind of shock. It kind of reminded me of the Champions League final when it was done to us, you know, when Barcelona did that to us. It was just such a kind of a shock of the manner of at least conceding a goal so early in a final. Um, it can really affect the way you perform the rest of the match. And I really think that Arsenal wasn't really the same for for, for the entire 90 minutes. Yeah, I, I was going to say it was very much like the Champions League final. Obviously, unlike Barcelona, we didn't completely capitalise on it at, at the start, where Barcelona kind of ran ran the game out within ten minutes, where it took us a little bit longer. But yeah, it was it it just put, straight away put Arsenal in their place. They didn't know how to get back from it. I mean, it took them what thirty, forty minutes to try and get some sort of controlling the game and then that only lasted the five minutes into the last bit of the half but yeah I mean fantastic but I mean it wasn't all sunshines and rainbows in the first half we had Sam Kerr missing a few chances we'll get we'll get to her goals shortly after but was you a bit worried when Sam Sam was missing them chances that we might have been it might have come back to bite us in the arse uh I was um because I even tweeted out when you have when you have a side like Arsenal that has like Vivian Miedema and Beth and Beth Mead and, you know, players like that, um, those, those are players that can score a goal out of nothing. And 
So if you're if you're allowing them to stay in the game, uh, you know, with in a in a game where they had no business being in the game, because as you said, we were wasteful in front of in front of goal. Uh, Zinsberger herself made a lot of saves, and you know, just clinging to that to that to that one nil lead, I, I really was worried because I was I was just afraid that we were going to allow them to stay in the game. Um, uh, kind of like what we did yesterday, what the Chelsea men did yesterday against West Ham, just allowing them to stay in the game. And I was afraid Arsenal might grow grow into this game like West Ham did yesterday. And um, yeah, um, just at halftime, I was I was frustrated because I thought we had played quite well, with the exception of the wastefulness in front of goal. Yeah, it it just for a moment it kind of just reminded me of. The Chelsea men's team. Um, obviously, we won't speak too much about that because it's been a bit depressing in the last few games. But I, I just thought, oh, you got me. You got you know, Miedema's going to score because she always does. Um, yep. You've got Beth Mead, who has played really well against us in the past, and then even some of the other players. You've got Kim Little, who's very good uh, footballer. McCabe has been scoring like crazy, but it just never seemed to come, and we seem to just. Uh, completely tactically outclass them and then the second half came and we started scoring all the goals again i mean sam kerr's second goal patrick talk talk me through how beautiful that second goal was oh man it was it was absolutely beautiful i just uh, more than anything matt it kind of gave me i i just breathed a sigh of relief and it was just it, it was just so good to see us you know kind of um you know, see, seeing uh, Kirby Kirby get first to the ball, and then you know Zinsberger, who's been who was outstanding, you know, throughout throughout the first half, and really could have been one of the best players on the pitch. Certainly was for Arsenal, and uh, you know that I think it was just down to Sam to Sam's quickness to kind of you know get that shot off, and then Zinsberger couldn't couldn't react. She had she had looked like she had committed one way, and then she tried to come back and make a leg save on the other side, and she couldn't do it. She probably thought that she should have done better with that, but I put it down to I put it down to Sam Kerr's quick um to her pace and to her quick shot as well. Yeah, I think it was one of the ones that she she caught he's caught she's caught a wrong footed. I think there's not really much the goalkeeper can do because you're always going to expect them to fire it into that corner, um, the far corner. But it was fantastic from Kerr just to get to the the right, the wrong side of a uh, Ruben Moy, and then to do the lovely cutting as well. And that was it was just all done by herself, and that was what's beautiful. Obviously, we do we always relish the whole Kerr Kirby partnership where they set each other up, and sometimes they can be quite easy goals that they score. Um, because they've set each other up so well. But this one was just a touch of pure class and something something you normally expect from Peniel Harder. She comes in, does these fantastic runs, cuts in and does these fantastic shots. But it was lovely to see from Kerr, who, lot unlike other strikers who would miss a few chances and then would go missing for the rest of the game, she kept going and then she got that goal. And I think at that moment, as you said, I had a sigh of relief and... I just sat back and chilled because I thought I thought I honestly thought there was games done by that point because I just didn't see Arsenal coming back into the match. They had that five minute spell before half time where they did all right, but they never really created anything. Um, and we just cruise controlled from that point. And then we got what was the best goal possibly scored in the cup final, in my opinion. 
for the women's. Sam Kerr's third goal. Um, Patrick, how how beautiful was that? I mean, the second one was great, but the third one tops it off. Oh, very well said. I, I that's that's a finish that could finish off any match, and I'm not talking about just a women's match, just a football match in general. Um, you and I were talking right before we started recording, Matt, and and we were saying like it looks like a uh, it was very akin to like the Ramirez goal during our 2012 Champions League run in the semifinal against Barcelona. Um, I was hoping that maybe she go that Sam Kerr would go over and do like a, Mar- a Ramirez type dance, but uh, you know. <laughs> it was a uh, it was a beautiful finish, and it, it says a lot about Sam Kerr's you know world class ability. Um, for her to have the kind of first half that she did, where you know she got that knock early on, and she was she had about oh, I can think of three or four chances at least that she could have put away. She could have had a first half hat trick, and um, you know a combination of you know just missing a chance versus Zinsberger's good saves. She wasn't able to do it, but it. It speaks a lot to her mental fortitude and to her confidence in her abilities that she was able to come back and, you know, f- put in two beautiful goals in the second half to really seal this trophy for Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when when she scored it, I, I was almost expecting the back backflips to come out because that would have been just perfect on the Wembley pitch. But the the little finger clicks, just it, it, it when I just saw that, I thought. Oh, that's coming. That that that's the emotion coming from that first match when the Arsenal manager was celebrating like he won the Champions League. That's just a nice, sweet goal. Just to it was it was almost like a boxing match, and Arsenal were on the ropes, and you just get that sweet uppercut that just knocks knocks them straight out. And at that point, Arsenal were finished. Fifteen minutes to go, and Chelsea. Well, I say Chelsea were chilling. We were still peppering chances. Panil Harder had a good one. Um, Kerr had another good one. She could have got the hat trick where we would have definitely seen the backflips, but it was just fantastic from start to finish. Um, there were a couple of decisions in the match which were quite strange to me. A couple of penalty calls from both sides. We'll start with the Chelsea one. First half, um, Kerr coming into the box, goes to slide it to Kirby and almost get well gets tackled, but let replays later show that Kerr tripped. Um, put her foot on top of the Arsenal defender. But my point would be, well, that doesn't matter. She put the challenge in. It's just where she, her foot's landed. Um, Patrick, did you think that was a penalty at first sight? I thought at first sight, I thought it was a stonewall penalty, honestly. Um, I think if you had VAR, I think that would have, I think that would have been brought back for a, for a PK, honestly. Um, I was, I was livid with a couple of the calls. Um, we'll get to the other ones, of course, but Yes, I thought that was a, I thought that was a very good penalty shout, and I, I think that we were we were, right we were right to feel aggrieved to not to not have received that call. Yeah, I think it was just it was, it's it's strange because obviously, women's football generally doesn't have VAR, but with it right. being in Wembley, I just I I I didn't understand why they couldn't bring VAR into it. I know it would be a bit harsh because obviously it's not been done before in the whole competition and then suddenly it's in the final but you bring in goal line technology which has not been in any of the other games and that you don't bring VAR which I thought was a bit strange but there you go I mean the women's game is getting bigger and bigger so eventually I'm sure VAR will eventually come into it and maybe some of these decisions can get right um, obviously Arsenal did have a penalty shout of their own um, Cuthbert made a block sliding on the floor and it looked like it hit her hand, which replay show it did. But would you say it was a penalty or would you say it was 
Cuthbert couldn't get her hand out of the way. I'd say Cuthbert couldn't get her hand out of, out of the way. It, it, I don't think her hand was in an unnatural position. I mean, she was going to slide to to block the shot. And, you know, it's not like she, I, in my opinion, she didn't like put her hand out to block the shot. I mean, it was it was just kind of a natural position when you slide that, um, you know, that the ball just hit her hand. And, you know, the, I thought that was rightfully waved away, you know, you know, from being a penalty. And it shouldn't it shouldn't have been it was rightfully a non a non PK call. Yeah, I think though some we've seen a lot of them given though, so it potentially could have been a penalty. I think it would have been maybe harsh in Cuthbert's part because my argument would be where where does her hand go at that point? She's on the floor, she can't exactly control, and arguably she's trying to stop herself from sliding off the pitch, which in the rules does say that that's allowed. So it's a bit of a tough one. I think you you, you I wouldn't at the same time if they gave that, I could kind of understand where they're coming from in a way but it, it's one of the ones that could go either way um but there was other challenges i mean the yellow card would come out and then suddenly it would come out for a red card um there was a few challenges there patrick that arsenal could have had gone down to 10 men wasn't there there, there was and uh in fact when uh the one call that the one call that stands out to me is when you know when Ann Katrenberger went down with cramps you know because she she was so bored from not taking any shots she you know she needed to do, she needed to do something um, she um, when when Fran Kirby was on the break and then you know she was and and she was taken down um, correct me if I'm wrong I don't even think that was a, I don't think a yellow card was even given for that but to me that was a denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity and should have been a straight red. Yeah, I think the issue was because the referee already had blown up very second before for mm-hmm. the goalkeeper being down. Technically, she hasn't, I don't know whether she hasn't seen it or because she's already blown for the injury, whether that counts. But it is a terrible challenge. And obviously, that did result in Fran Kirby coming off. Obviously, it was a knee. I, obviously, it did the, she did get kind of kicked in the face, but I don't know whether it's where she fell. Um, going into the injury, is that a, a bit of a worry for you, with Kirby coming out? Do you think she's going to be out for long, or do you think it'll be just a quite a short-term injury? Yeah, it, it's hard to tell. I mean, it's, you know, that's the thing with these injuries, you know, like, you know, sometimes you think it's innocuous, and then it ends up being more serious, and then sometimes it's the opposite. So I am a little worried just because, you know, only because of how important Frank Kirby is to this side. I mean, obviously we have tons of other talent, around us but there's just something there's something about that spirit and that you know and that that energy that frank kirby brings to the side that you know is um so important to the way that we play and um i'm hoping i'm keeping my fingers crossed that it's nothing too serious but uh you know i was i was a little worried when she when she came off the way she was grimacing in the way that she was but i'll i'll try to reserve judgment until we find out you know they do scans and they do their due diligence and, but yeah, I mean, anytime a player like Frank Kirby goes down, I I admittedly get worried. Yeah, I mean, she's a special player. Uh, obviously, top goal scorer in record goal scorer in Chelsea's history. So it, it's you you can't say it's not a miss to have her. I mean, we do have a lot of great attackers. Jesse Fleming. This will be another chance for her to keep getting game time when Harder returns, uh, and she's been brilliant. And you've got Cuthbert who's playing well. You've got Lauren James. So we have got a, a lot of options, a lot of great options. But obviously, 
it is a big miss when you lose that 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 great player and it's also that partnership with Kerr that you kind of lose as well I think where when Harder went it's a big miss because she's such a good player ex-Ballon d'Or winner but she was always kind of her own player and then you had the Kerr-Kirby partnership but when you lose Kurt, uh, Kirby you're kind of losing a little bit of Kerr as well so it, that that's where I'm, I'm worried I mean hopefully it's just a short-term injury it's not too much uh it did worry me that she tried to run it off and then couldn't. Um, so we'll have to wait and see um, for that. But that that is probably the that is the only negative that we can take from this match. Um, what did you think, obviously, of the starting lineup coming out? Was that kind of the lineup you was expecting? Uh, it was. Um, I was a little. Um, it always, whenever I see the women's lineup come out, it always mystifies me that. You know, there are some players that were such talent, like 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 um, Marin Mielda and people like that, who for, uh, obviously she's only coming back from injury, so you wouldn't risk her, but um, that she hasn't even made the bench and that Lauren James didn't even make the bench today. I mean, it's just it speaks to the, the, the level of talent that this team has, that you can afford the luxury of keeping those players out. And, um, you know, you've got players like Beth England on the bench, but. But yeah, I think with the combination of players coming back from international break, like G coming back from from South Korea and, um, you know, th- things like that, it was kind of the lineup I would have gone with. Um, I was surprised that, you know, obviously it shows how important Sam Kerr is that Sam Kerr is coming all the way back and she's still in the starting lineup, especially with like no preparation. I mean, what I think Emma had the team for like a day before she could ever, you know, so you couldn't do too much preparation for the match. It's just kind of like show up and play. And so, yeah, it was it was pretty much the lineup I expected, but I was happy with it. Yeah, I think with Kerr, I think it was one of them things that you already had harder kind of missing. And I assume she wasn't fit enough to start. Right. So if you lost harder already, you didn't really want to lose Kerr as well in the game because it would have, as well as some of our players are an attack, is a, in, a, in a final you've got to have your best players on the field um i did think g i think obviously the kind of the long distance traveling did play a part but i i also think she's she's not been at her, at her best at the moment i do think against the bigger teams the ingle lawyer uh combination in the middle is probably the most secure i think it makes us a bit more defensively aware but allows us to still attack very well i think that's that was a good, that was what I would have gone with exactly in terms of the lineup. I thought Cuthbert was well. I think the only the only question I had was would we go with Cuthbert on the right, who would have been a bit more attacking, and then Anderson on the left to kind of keep Beth Mead quiet because right in as well as she's playing in the wing back, that's not her traditional role. So maybe we could have had a more traditional left back and would have played a bit more defensive in that respect but Brighton played and she played really well so I, I can't complain about that um, but yeah it was a great lineup and what, what did you think about the Arsenal lineup obviously um, Williamson we knew was going to be out um, Tobin yeah. Heath's been struggling with injuries but w- was you worried about that lineup obviously I, I, was, I was surprised Iwabuchi wasn't starting yeah, I would have expected Iwabuchi to start just with just with just with her experience. I mean, obviously she's won like the 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 equivalent of this cup in you know, you know in J- in Japan, and so she's she's someone with a lot of experience. And um, yeah, I would have expected to hear in the lineup, but you know, uh, any lineup that has Miedema, Mead, Little, 
um, you know, um, like BT in it. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of what I would have expected with the exception of Iwabuchi. But um, yeah, I mean, a very talented lineup from from Arsenal. I was surprised. I'm actually surprised that they stayed as quiet as they did. I mean, Midema was, you know, virtually anonymous uh, for most of the game. And me didn't really make any kind of noise to me until she switched flanks. And so, um, you know, they, they kind of did that to try to get her more into the game. But other than that, you know, there wasn't, I mean, no shot on target the entire game. So, you know, I, I, that left me really surprised because I thought they put out a pretty good lineup. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's, it's, it's quite almost embarrassing to a point to not have a single shot on target with that amount of attacking options. Yeah. I mean, as you said, McCabe particularly was very quiet. I think Cuthbert, we'll get to her in a minute, but she was fantastic uh, covering McCabe and making her quiet. Mead wasn't really quiet on the other side. And what we did really well was there'd be times when Mead was in a lot of space, but we straight away cut off all them passing options. So it yep. wasn't possible for us to hurt Arsenal to make that quick ball to her. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was just fantastic to see that Mia Dima was just absolutely quiet. I think that's probably the quietest game I've ever seen her in, which is uh, yeah. phenomenal. And honestly, when I saw Jess Carter, you know, Jess Carter made a couple of really, you know, clean, but, you know, uh, you know, aggressive tackles on on, on Miedema. And, um, you know, she just handled her. You know, I thought the back three today were 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 excellent. Um, you know, obviously, obviously our captain, Meg Erickson and um, Jess Carter and obviously Millie Bright. Um, I thought that they were I thought that the three of them were absolutely outstanding. And um, and I think it speaks to the fact that there was no shots. On, there were no shots, you know, on target for Arsenal. That speaks to what a great job they did. And and also the collective pressing of the team, because you made reference to the space. And, you know, Beth, Beth Mead to me does her best job when she's allowed the space to to operate. And, um, you know, she can she can either take it on herself or she can feed Miedema or Little. I mean, you know, Arsenal works best when they have space. And I mean, like like most clubs would be, of course. But um, I think that pressing was something that that either they just couldn't handle today or they weren't prepared for. But you know, I mean, Chelsea, you know, is known for for our for our collective pressing, and um, we 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 were we pressed very intelligently in this game. Yeah, I mean, it was fantastic. I think the, the part I love about with Jess Carter is after that opening day where she let's let, let's not. Uh, paint up in any different way. She she struggled against Mia Dima, Beth Mead. She made a few, quite a few mistakes and rightfully so was under pressure for a little bit of time for a starting lineup with Nguyen coming in and Nguyen's played really well. But I think today it was that it kind of showed that evolution she's had just from the first game of the season to now and she's really redeemed herself and today showed why she should be in the starting lineup. Um a big performance and just to prove herself to herself more than anyone else that she's right. She's, she's righted the wrongs that she did in the first three games. Um, did you think Jess Carter right the wrongs? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think you, and I think that's a very fair assessment from the first game. I mean, she obviously, 
you know, like even back at the Champions League final, she was not the only one, of course, but she she struggled with, you know, Barcelona's attack, you know, but so did, I mean, to be fair, so did the entire team. But, and then to open this season, she struggled, you know, against Arsenal's attack. And there were questions being asked of, you know, like when is when is Marin Mielda going to come back? Or, you know, is 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 Nguyen going to come into the team? Um, they, uh, um, but the fact that she's, you know, Jess Carr has had a very interesting career to me. Like she, she got to a blazing start with Birmingham City, and she was like, you know, she was the player. And then she makes the move to Chelsea, and of course, you come into a team full of world class players that's only that they've only added to since she since she arrived at Chelsea. And she's had to really kind of. She still was young when she arrived, and she still had a lot to improve on. And I think it's a real credit to her that she's worked on those things, and you know, she still has room that she can improve. But I think that she's. Um, um, I think that she's a much better player now than than when she first arrived, and I think she's. I, I think a performance like today is only going to give her more confidence as she gets more more chances from uh, Emma Hayes. Yeah, I mean, she's. She, uh, you were right with the Champions League final as well. I mean, she, she's she has redeemed herself. She's really improved over the last few games, and she's shown how good a centre back she can be. And now for people like Bielder, they've got a fight to get him back into the squad. Newman still got to put in some good performances when she can to try and get into the squad. Um, because there is just, as we said, so much depth and, and unfortunately, people are going to be upset. I mean, I imagine Lauren James, Mijelda, they're going to be upset that they weren't in the squad. But what I like with Emma is that she manages it in a way so that none of these girls will kick up a massive fuss. They'll be upset by maybe... In terms of their own private private times, they're very upset, but they get on with the job and they keep winning for this team. I mean, we're we're serial winners at the moment, aren't we, Patrick? Oh, absolutely. And um, you know, I think it also needs to be said, like, um, and you made reference to this is Emma's abilities with man management. Um, she she makes sure that everyone, um, um. She makes sure that everyone feels like they're part of the squad. So even if they didn't play, this this is a team accomplishment, not a you know like not an individual player's accomplishment. Like yes, Frank Kirby scored a goal and Sam Kerr scored two, but you know it took everyone to get to this point, and we didn't have a really easy road. I mean, you know, I, and this is no disrespect, but like look at the semifinal. Like we we had Manchester City, albeit a, a, a Manchester City that has that's had a lot of injuries. But you know Arsenal had to play Brighton, and no disrespect to Brighton, but to me they're not they're not at the level of a Manchester City, even with Manchester City's injuries. So, you know, our journey to try to get to that domestic treble was not was not a cakewalk. Um, if we made it look easier than maybe it was, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I think privately you you were right. People are going to, of course, it's natural for any footballer to want to play. I mean, I, I'd have concerns if you didn't. But at the same time, these women have been able to put their their own personal accomplishments aside for the better for for the and putting the team accomplishments as the priority. And I think that's why this team has such success is because they're willing to sacrifice for each other because they know. You know that if a team is playing and a team is winning, it's hard to change a side. And yeah, you chop and change when you can, but you also try to keep that that spine of the team as much the same as you can because you want you want to make sure that 
you're still winning trophies. And like you said, when your serial winners like Chelsea women are at the moment, you know, you want to keep that that good feeling going around the place. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember when the draw was made and it was, uh, I think it was an Arsenal player that was, uh, former player that was doing the draw and um, Emma made a cheeky comment, oh, Arsenal got Brighton, was it an Arsenal player that did the draw, typical. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, sometimes you have to face the biggest teams. You, I mean, you're going to have to face them eventually, so it's it's nice that we went through, we beat Manchester City and we beat them quite comfortably. Um We've gone through some difficult teams. Everton are a decent team as well uh, this yep. season. We last season we beat them as well. So we've gone through a tougher run, uh, and sometimes that's nice going into the final. So it, it was it was nice to have that. I mean, in terms of the whole man management, it comes on to our next subject of how um, Emma's managed and man managed Cuthbert into what was a great wing back performance. Um, she won't obviously a lot of people will be talking about Kirby Kerr. Um, people at harder etc but I think everyone will sleep on cuff but as usual that was a fantastic performance not just attacking but defensively to keep McCabe who has been scoring willy-nilly for Arsenal um, the last few few games Um, but she was completely quiet until the switch Um, what did you think of Cuthbert's tactical performance was it was it really good for you Oh, it was excellent. Um, and I think Erin Cuthbert's one of those players that, you know, she does, she's willing to do all the dirty work and she's not always going to take the headlines. I mean, don't get me wrong. She has a, she has goals in her. I mean, she, um, I think we, we only need to look at the semi, the semifinal against City with that beautiful goal. Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. It was like a near post finish, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. And so, um, but what I love about Erin Cuthbert is she's willing she's willing her work rate is phenomenal she is she's willing to do both the offensive work and the defensive work and you know that's what good wing that's what a good wing back is is not only able but also willing to do i mean i've seen people in the wing back position that you know that that should never be there because they're not willing to do both sides of the work and uh aaron cuthbert just buzzes around and she makes things happen she you know, she makes things tough for the opponent. Like McCabe today just had fits against her and couldn't do anything. And like you said so well, McCabe was just left quiet. I mean, she's been scoring for fun recently, and um, she's and she and McCabe's a good player. And um, Aaron Cuthbert kept her quiet, and um, Aaron Cuthbert was making the the little things happen. That if you're not paying attention to, if you're only paying attention to the goals, you're not gonna you're not going to appreciate Aaron Cuthbert's impact on this team. Um, she's another player. She can come off the bench and she can make an instant impact. What I love about Aaron is that whenever she plays, whether it's from the start or whether it's, whether it's off the bench, she always, to me, more often than not, she's always making an instant impact. Yeah. And I think she's one of the players that she, obviously she's really in the front line for the last few years and she hasn't always got a lot of game time. And then now you've got, you've got Kirby you've got who's record goal scorer you've got Kerr who's absolutely fantastic one of the best players in the world you've got former Ballon d'Or winner Harder you've got Olympic champion Jesse Fleming in the attack so there's a lot of options but how she's crafted herself and taken this right wing back role um, with her hands and fought for it to what now is getting her first team pace in the side I think it's fantastic do you think that's fantastic how she's managed to transition herself into that? 
I think I think it's been fantastic. Um, I've been very impressed. I mean, it's obviously um, not a not a natural position for it was not a natural position for her from the start, but the way she's taken to it, um, I've been very very impressed. And um, yeah, it's been uh, she's kind of taken that position and made it her own. She's it's a great example again to kind of what we referenced earlier. She's willing to do. She's willing to. She'd probably love to be part more part of the forward line and worry more about the forward responsibilities more so than the defensive ones. But she's willing to do whatever job she needs to do to number one play and number two to help the team. And I think it's that team first mentality again that you know she benefits from playing, but also the team benefits from having her on the pitch and having yet another you know offensive option at the wing back position. Yeah, it, it creates that kind of just depth in not just positions, but types of players we have. If we want to go defensive, we have a Mielder. We have Cartu who can play wing back. We have, if we want to go attacking, we have Cuff, but we also have people like Spence that can play there. We've got people like G who can play in multiple positions. Anderson, Reeton, so many players on this side that not only are they good in one position, but they can play in multiple positions. And that is what is a really fantastic dominant side. Um, a couple more players to talk about. Jessie Fleming, obviously, she's one of my favourite players. Um, I love the way she is in terms of her style of footballer. Um, she was, people again would say she's a bit quiet, but kind of did, again, the unselfish work to set, always trying to set Kerr and Kirby up. Uh, what did you think of Fleming's performance today? I thought she was good. Um, I thought she was bright. I mean, yeah, I mean, quiet in terms of maybe, you know, I, she didn't like, you know, have a lot of chances on goal. She had a couple, but um, I think you said it well. She she did a lot of the she did a lot of the dirty work to try to get things set up. She was she's another one that buzzes around and is you know makes life difficult for, um, you know, the Arsenal defense. I mean, I think a lot of these breakaways happen because of the pressing that the likes of Cuthbert and Jesse Fleming did. Um, and, you know, it was just a collective off, you know, the, the, the collective pressing that we did, you know, from from all players on the pitch really kind of created some of these chances where we could have won by a lot more than three nil. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think that Jesse Fleming has warranted her starting position in the side. And, you know, it's real. It's it's like anyone. It's up to her to keep putting in performances to keep it. And that's and that's for any player on the pitch. But, yeah, I thought she was bright. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it wasn't, again, one of them performances like Kerr or Kirby, but you can't always have all three of your front three in scintillating kind of form. You've got to have some people doing a bit more of the dirty work, and uh, she did that very well and is proving once again that she deserves to have a space in this front in this front three, um, even a lot above the likes of Harder. Kirby and Kerr. I mean, she's really fighting for it, and it's time for her to have that. I mean, um, yeah, it was just a fantastic match. I mean, it get, it's getting to the point. I'm just like, what, what, what is it? What is it to talk about to analyze? Because it's just, I, I, I mean, just raw emotion at the moment of how great of a game this was. Um, what did you think of the tactical setup? Do you think it was the perfect tactical setup for Emma? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a, you know, I, I think that she learned a little bit from the, you know, um, from the from the loss in the opening game of the WSL season. I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, obviously it was still a, 
correct me if I'm wrong, it was a pretty similar tactical setup to that game. But I think I think the way I think the team having more time in the back three because at the, at the time when we first started that, you know, like the back three was still a you know relatively new thing for us. I mean, we you know we we were used to playing with the back four last season for a lot of it, and and. You know, it's only recently that we've kind of been, you know, this season that we've really switched to that back three. And I think the players are starting to get used to that, to that formation and, you know, like the, and the demands of it. Um, and, but yeah, I think that she's been consistent with it since the start of the season. Um, she's, she's tactically, tactically flex, flexible when she needs to be, but, but yeah, I thought it was a good setup. I, I thought that, you know, and it's probably easier for me to say that with the way that the game played out, but I was confident with it before we started. I mean, I thought it would be a much closer game, but I I felt confident with the players out there. I knew that they could do the job, and um, especially with especially with like the the job that the likes say an Aaron Cuthbert has done at the wing back position. Um, yeah, I was I was pretty confident with it before the game started, but I did expect a closer game. I didn't expect it to be as uh, you know as dominant as it was. Yeah, I mean, I I, I predicted one. On one with a penalty win for Chelsea, so I was completely wrong in in the aspect of the game. But yeah, you're right in terms of the fact that we did do the exact kind of back three uh, at the start of the season, and it was kind of that new uh, back three we were gelling. I mean, I remember at the time we had Bright in the middle and then Carter on the right, and I think that's where Carter really struggled since she's yes. been moved into the middle. I think she's been a lot more comfortable um, with that, and it took time for the whole back three and the wing backs to gel. Obviously, Wrighton's learning a new position. Cuthbert was learning a new position because obviously Hanno left and then Marin's obviously coming back from injury. So it, it yeah. took time and I think there was pressure uh, from a lot of people saying, do we just go back to the back four? Is the back three experiment not working? But as you said, Emma's stuck with it. And I mean, now we've gone seven games without conceding the goal. Um so it shows that that defense has evolved and learned the role. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, and I'll even use it as an example. And that's, this is not like calling anyone out, but like you know, Millie Bright for her very, very high standards. Even she had to get used to the back three. I mean, she there were a couple games where you know Millie Bright even struggled a little bit, which, like I said, with Millie Bright doesn't happen all that often. But um, I, sometimes in a new system, you just have to learn it. And you have to go through some of the growing pains, unfortunately. Um, luckily for Chelsea women, th- those growing pains are not really many struggles at all. Maybe the odd loss here and there. But um, I think that, I think too, you made a good point about the tactical switch, just Carter moving to the center. That that allows her to be, you know, uh, covered on both sides by absolutely brilliant defenders in um, in Bright and Magdalena Erickson, that she's got coverage. You know, if something were to happen, and when you're out on, on one of those sides, you're you're kind of exposed. And so to be co- to be kind of protected in the middle by two players of that world class quality, uh, I think that you know, that that only helps Jess Carter. Yeah, definitely. I think it really helps her a lot. I mean, what what was brilliant as well was it wasn't just a back three today. The way we worked it in terms of. Cuthbert would move into almost as a right back at times and would revert to a 4-4-2 when we were off the ball and that right. again with McCabe really helped to keep her quiet kept Beth me quiet it meant every time Mia Dima got the ball you had six or seven players around her and she couldn't do anything with it um, and it was just a great again tactical setup something a lot of the more obnoxious fans would think or well, this doesn't come in the women's game. It's just 
a poor uh, um, skill set of players and it's just kick the ball and they'll eventually score. But how the women's games has evolved massively where we, we are getting tactics that you wouldn't see, you wouldn't be surprised if you were seeing the Chelsea men's doing that exact same thing. I mean, Emma's tactically, I think, ready to make, if, if she was to ever do it, make the switch between women's and men's. I think one day she will. I think she will become the first women's manager to referee in the men's game. Um, but yeah, these players are just taking, it's, it's, it's one thing to have a manager that's really good with the tactics, but they're all taking the tactics on and they're they're showing it really well. And I think, I, I don't think there's a, many other teams in the women's leagues in general that show this amount of tactical nouns. Um, would you agree with that? I would. And um, yeah, and I, I just think the standard of women's football overall has, you know, has, has gone up. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, I've never considered it bad at all, but I, but I, but I even remember, you know, watching, you know, previous editions of the women's world cup, you know, going back to, you know, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago and um, seeing the difference of the standard now, you know, to then is, you know, is, is remarkable, especially in Europe. I mean, you know, it was in the women's world cup, you know, you always felt like you would be, you know, women's world cup. It was like one, you know, one, two, maybe three teams that you thought had a chance of winning it. Now you go to the women's world cup and you see, um, you, you see, you know, a handful of teams that can win it. Um, you know, because they're, they're just talented footballers that are from all over the world now. And yeah. Um, in, in regards to the tactics, you know, it's such a, I think we underestimate just to how big of a benefit it is to have someone of, um, of, of Emma Hayes's ability. Um, she's, she's one of the best managers in the world. And I'm just mean manager in general. I'm not, I'm not, you know, it doesn't matter man or woman. She's just one of the best managers in the world period. And, um, she's like I said, I love that she's tactically flexible. She's not, she, 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 she has very high standards that she, she'll tell you herself. She demands a lot of her players and if they're not doing it, she, she tells them and she, she tells the media and I respect that. She, she expects excellence out of her players. She knows what kind of class of players she has at the club and she expects that standard out of them. And, you know, I, I think maybe in, I think maybe, you know, 15 to 20 years ago, you maybe didn't have managers that maybe, you know, demanded that or they, they, um, I don't know, maybe, um, maybe this isn't the right term, but they were, um, they were just satisfied with, you know, getting a halfway decent performance out of their players. But now the standards, you know, with new TV deals and everything else, the standards of the game have just gone up and, you know, the Chelsea women at least are stepping up to the, you know, are, are stepping up to be count and being counted on and, it's really, really great to see. I, I just enjoy the standard of football that I'm seeing now. Yeah, definitely. I think the women's game with the TV money, I think, and with teams like Arsenal, Chelsea, City, and even Man United to a point now that finally come in and joined the party uh, way too late, in my opinion. But that they're, they're, they're now bringing that funding that wasn't previously there. And now you get and you've got the TV deal in the UK. You've got the new TV deal in America that's coming in from next season. Women's football is starting to go worldwide, and once we start get teams start getting that money in, you'll see teams start to improve. You've got because I mean it, it, we've all known about some of the problems. Clubs like Birmingham, who 
treat their women's team as nothing more than an amateur setup, and hopefully that will change with some of the other smaller clubs. But every club is starting to um, improve. I mean, uh, watching the BBC broadcast, Farrah Williams is talking about how they used to get, they used to play in men's hands-me-downs for the uh, women's matches. So the fact that you, it is such a professional setup now is absolutely fantastic. I mean, talking about the day itself, obviously we, the game was held at Wembley uh, exactly 100 years to the day since um, women's football was banned, um, which is a terrible thing. And I'm glad that women can play football now and play at the highest level and do it in a way where they can get paid and do it just like the men's. Um, but it was a great day out, fantastic atmosphere. It was, I think the attendance was just under 41,000, which I think was apparently a bit lower than what they were expecting. But rainy day, um, you can understand why maybe some more people didn't come turn up. But it was a great atmosphere, wasn't it, Patrick? It was. I thought I thought the supporters, you know, to be fair, I thought supporters for both sides were good. Um, but I want to pay tribute to all of our, all of our Chelsea supporters that that were at that were at Wembley and went out and supported the team you know it's so important to get out there and and to get out to Kings Meadow to support the team um you know um the, everyone that's bought season tickets to watch the team if you go to whether you go to a Conti Cup game whether you go to a WSL game a Champions League game anytime you go out to support the women I you know I'm I love seeing people that go out there and and, and go out there and show these women you know that that they're appreciated because they're you know they're part of the Chelsea family as much as anybody as much as any men's player is they're Chelsea Chelsea is a club that can, that's comprised of the men's team the women's team the academy and the staff and everything that comes along with that and the owner and the board and everything else it's all it's all one club and um, I love to see the level of investment that our owners put into you know, to the women's team and the women's facilities and the game, because I think you make a good point when you, um, when you see the likes of what's happened at Birmingham city and honestly, what, you know, the, the rumors that we heard out of Manchester United, you know, before the season started, like, you know, those are the types of things you don't want to hear. And, um, I'm just glad that our club is, you know, putting, putting in uh, the type of investment that they should be putting into it. And, you know, when you do when you do that and you show the respect to the game, I think you're going to get people coming out. Yeah, I think forty one thousand. I would have loved to have seen more, of course, but I'm very very grateful and appreciative to the people that that went. And whether you watched on TV, whether you um, watched at a pub, whether you um, were at Wembley today, you know, thank you for you know showing the women some support today because they definitely deserve it. Yeah, definitely. I think it was fantastic support, and I'm I'm sure that. The support online, whether it was watching it on on TV and the BBC, whether you're in foreign countries where you probably not be able to get it uh, on a proper TV and you're watching it on stream, it doesn't matter how you're supporting the team. It's the fact that you're watching the game and the game is improving, and it's about podcasts like this as well to try and get the message out there. You've got some fantastic, fantastic Chelsea podcasts. You've got Went to Mokin's Meadow, which I've starred on a few times uh, as a guest and, and they're fantastic they've been covering Chelsea and they are the number ones women Chelsea podcast in my opinion fantastic so guys make sure you go check that out while I'm talking but after obviously you've finished watching this one um, but yeah it's fantastic they do a great job they have people going up and down the country whether it's up in Manchester or it's Kings Meadow 
and it's fantastic. I think the women's support is growing, and in I think it's in a time where we've had the season, the, we had the season tickets in the West End go into crazy prices. Maybe it's time that we look and go. Well, the women's game, you pay nine pounds as an adult, you pay one pound from one pound for a junior or a senior. So maybe it's time that we we look and go. Well, if if they're trying to price us out of the men's game, let's go give our women's support because it's it's fantastic value for money. I mean, nine pounds to watch a football match is is insane. Uh, obviously, it does go up depending on where you sit, but it's it's it, it's pennies and the money you bring. If if you can bring, if we can get full crowds at Kings Meadow, as we have done recently, it's fantastic to see it. It show it will show that women's football is is growing and now it's in the sky and you'll see it when people see that you have full stadiums in in that respect it will just grow the game exponentially i think it's what the women deserve now i've just seen a post before we finish uh chelsea women have kindly reminded me that actually we won charity shield as well so as they've put it does this technically count as a quadruple to you patrick Uh, because it's involving chelsea of course it does uh, yeah, so, uh, I mean, uh, so, so we we can call that a domestic quadruple then, right? Technically, yes. I mean, Chelsea women's have kindly put a po- uh, picture up saying it is a domestic quadruple. So <laughs> I guess we can call it a quadruple. Uh, well, I'll be honest with you. If it was, if we were talking about like City United or Arsenal or Tottenham or anyone like that winning winning that, which 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 is not going to happen. But if, if if we were doing it for them, I would say the Community Shield doesn't count. But this is Chelsea, so it does count. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you, you got to take it. I mean, we've still yep. got it's still a trophy. This, yeah, we've still got all the trophies this season as well. I mean, the fact that we were in every possible final we could have been in, it just shows the quality in this team. And hopefully, we we go again. I mean, we've 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 got revenge over Arsenal. I think next step is to get revenge over Barcelona. Um, I imagine they will get to the final. Bizarre, bizarre. Uh, Provided they don't get any bizarre outcomes in certain one of their matches, which can happen, but Barcelona are a well-oiled machine. But it'd be lovely to get that revenge at the end of the season um, and go completely full circle. Which actually, I, I just got kindly reminded by my friend who's an Arsenal fan. Big up to Thomas Blows. Hopefully you're not crying too much from the result. But he's going to watch Arsenal, who play Barcelona at midweek. So I think um, Arsenal are going to get a bit of a double spanking, which hopefully down their momentum for the rest of the league. Do you think, do you think this win is important for the league in general? Um, Do you think we've got that momentum over Arsenal now? Um, I do. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, it kind of gets over that. I don't want to say there was like a mental block of like losing to them at the start of the season, but, but the fact that you're like, you know, that you're chasing rather than, you know, setting the pace at the top of the table. I think that this does. I mean, I, I think that not only, by beating them, but the manner in which we beat them is is really what does it for me. That this proves that look on our best, you know, not even on our best day, but like you know, on a day where we missed three or four chances easily. I mean, this is the team. I tweeted this out that this is the team that's currently one point clear at the top of the WSL, and we could have won by seven or eight. That's how good this Chelsea women's team is, and I think it's going to give us confidence going in. You know, you know, for the rest of the season, I think it, you know, gives us confidence going into Europe. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, I, I think, I, I think it reminds us of what 
this club is about, and that's winning trophies. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea women's is just, as I said before, serial winners. It's the only way you can pull it. Um, it's absolutely fantastic, and I'm sure we will go on to win many more trophies and build this legacy, which is the Emma Hayes reign, which it's unheard of of a manager nowadays to get a run like this such a long period of time and win so many trophies in that time honestly I'm going to put it out there now and some people will call me crazy for saying it but she's for me she's the woman Sir Alex Ferguson she's I think she will do it I think she'll stay for another five ten years um hopefully uh barring she don't go to any uh, men's clubs uh, but if she gets the opportunity I, I obviously will, will not mind because that is a big uh, step for women's managers and women's football uh, for Emma to go over but I, I think she'll be here for years to come she'll win many trophies of us and I think we will overtake Arsenal and become the most successful women's team in history because I, I don't I don't see anyone stopping us right now we've got the best youth clubs set up we've got the best women set up I think uh, in terms of the board aspect from the women's side, it's run absolutely fantastically. And I don't see Emma slipping off from here. I, I see her motivation to carry on and carry on until the end. Um, do you think Emma uh, can reach them high standards? I think her talent level speaks to the fact that she can. I mean, there's a difference between whether she will and whether she can. Um, you know, I think I definitely think that she can. Um you know, because like, let's not forget, I mean, this is still a, a club that's owned by Roman Abramovich. I don't think that he would hesitate if there was, if he was not, you know, if it, like for, for Emma to keep her job as long as she has only speaks to how well she's done because she's consistently bringing, delivering success because, you know, he's invested money into this side. And, you know, I mean, you know, Pernilla Harder was the, what was the most expensive transfer in women's football history. Um, and, you know, that's the kind of level of investment relative to the women's game that, you know, that he's putting into it. And he's going to expect, you know, um, a lot from this side. And I think Emma can go as far as she wants because she's built this. She's, you know, not only you made good reference to like the youth. I mean, we've got the likes of Georgia Fox coming through. And so, you know, like we have other players that if, you know, if other if if and when other players move on or retire or whatever, like we have players that have the ability to re- to replace them. Um, you know, Lauren James, you know, is still very young. And like I said, Georgia Fox and, you know, there's just there's good players that are coming through and I'm excited about the future of Chelsea women. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm excited to how um, brilliant it is, how how good this project is. I think it's one of the best projects in the women's game. And I think there's only Barcelona at the moment. I think, I think challenges us in the world. Um, so it's fantastic to see um, and hopefully we can carry it on for many years to come um, but that ends what is a wonderful first episode of the women's show uh, we will try and do this weekly uh, I'll have Patrick on coming regularly I'll have a few other guests from went to Mo King's Meadow I've already said that I'll bring them on I'll bring on another few guests uh, from Chelsea Women's Twitter to come on and I just want to kind of expand the podcast obviously we talk a lot about the men's and we've had some great moments but I think it's time for 
podcast to, and fans to appreciate not just the men's but the women's the youth everything so this channel is going to make sure that we we bring both to you and i i want to i want to teach you guys some some of you may not have watched a women's match before but i'm telling you go watch this match and you'll be hooked on it you'll be you'll be hooked on it and you'll be watching it every week because it was a fantastic advertisement for women's football and this podcast is going to try and include everyone um and hopefully you can help us on that journey to improve and show us and show how good we are in terms of women's football, men's football, and bringing through all types of content to you. Um, fi- finally, I'd like, Patrick, I'd like to thank you for coming on for the first ever women's episode. Well, it's an honor, Matt, and thank you so much for having me on. It was definitely an honor to be your first guest for this new for this for this new um, extension of your podcast that you already have, obviously you've got a very successful podcast covering the men, and I love that you're reaching out to do the women. I think that's fantastic. I'm glad that you mentioned we went to Kings Meadow. They do a phenomenal job. Um, London is Blue also does a great job with you know covering the women as well. So I was very very honored that you know to even be asked to be on and any chance to talk about this fantastic football team. You know what a what a great way to do it after winning yet another trophy in in the FA Cup. Yeah, I mean Patrick, you you support the women's team so much on football Twitter. I was I had to bring you on. I think you're a fantastic addition and your positivity. I think it's 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 great to have on this channel. Um, so I'll be hoping to get you on for many more episodes in the future if that's okay with you. Uh, I'd love to, and like I said, just. Uh, Honored to be asked and honored to talk about the Chelsea women's team um, because there's obviously a lot of people out there that are, you, you know, um, that, that cover Chelsea women on Twitter and the Chelsea FT community who, who do a great job themselves. So to be asked to be on is definitely um, an honor. Yes, well, fa- thank you for coming on. And guys, thank you for listening for our first women's episode. Um, just to let you know, the men's uh, review will be done by, hosted by Marv. I will be featuring a couple of guests that should be out either on the day this is put out or maybe the day after. Um, We'll be back for the next matches uh, probably next week uh, if I can get a few guests on and it will be an interesting time for us. Uh, Let us know how we've done for this first women's podcast. If you let us know what we need to improve on, if there's anything you want us to talk about specifically because we'll do the games, but we'll also go through some player profiles specifically of each and every player because obviously people listening don't know who these players are so we, we're going to give you a nice in-depth profiles of some of them as well so uh stay tuned for that um and all i can say is up the chelsea we're fa cup winners quadruple domestic quadruple winners 